0: Welcome to the Pierce Point Podcast. Today, we are going to finish up with Luke chapter 8, and we're going to start at verse 16 and, and roll to the end. But uh, as we've done each time, we uh, we want to include your comments, your thoughts, your questions, all of those things. Uh, in this, and Tina Estes uh, sent us a message that says this. She said, "In Luke 7:20, I think John is asking the question about who Jesus is because his circumstance caused him to doubt." Uh, we see clearly in John chapter 129, he states, Behold the Lamb of God who has taken away the sins of the world. Verse 30, this is he. Verse 34, I have seen and testified that uh, that this is the Son of God. Then the next day, verse 35, he says it again. Behold the Lamb of God. So John is in prison. Uh, so this is back again to John 7. John is in prison, and he could be wondering why Jesus is in. Caring enough about others to heal and to cleanse, etc., yet not doing anything about his circumstances. This makes sense as to why Jesus says to him, uh, Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. He knows exactly who Jesus is. His question is not a lack of knowledge, but why, Jesus, why haven't you made a way of escape for me? Uh, are you not the one? And then Tina just kind of closes off by saying that's my take on it. And I actually love that take uh, because it takes into consideration, uh, it takes into consideration that John's doubt might not have been in the person of Jesus, although the words are hard to justify when mm-hmm. John asks this question of Jesus who he is, you know, find out who he is. But I like, Tina's thought on this because maybe the disconnect of who Jesus is and why he wouldn't set John free is making him doubt who Jesus is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but i i I do feel that that was, um, and if not expressly stated, I definitely uh, I definitely would love to clarify that i I think if anything, I agree with Tina that John may have been struggling with why this isn't playing out the way he thought. But I don't think John was going, maybe I was completely wrong in the beginning or anything like that. We have, as Tina pointed out, we have too much evidence of John's confirmation of who Jesus is. Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins Mm -hmm. of the world. Clearly, he knows who this is. The problem is he's going, but what's happening? Mm -hmm. What's happening? And I specifically like Tina's statement on, blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Uh it seems that Tina is saying um, maybe John was tempted to be offended by who Jesus was because he wasn't setting him free he wasn't mm-hmm. taking his need into mm-hmm. consideration. I don't know.
1: I liked it. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was very good. I I think I think it sounds like that she's on track with that that is uh sometimes the circumstances of our life will make us wonder what what role that God is playing or what role we're playing in the story of God. So uh while uh this story ended up not great for john but it didn't change the fact that that he was in the story of god and god was using him to do exactly what he had told him he was going to yeah. do so yeah good stuff very powerful okay so
0: we're jumping right into um, into verse 16 but I think it's important to say that before we jump into 16 through 21 which may in in you know may in fact just be a, a small little uh, section of the scripture that is to be put together um, 16 comes right off the back of what we talked about yesterday. Mm -hmm. So we cannot lose sight of this really important idea. And that is the parable of the sower, the parable of this particular, you know, the soils, if you will, if you want to title it something else, the parable of the sower of the soils, uh, Jesus flows right off the back of that into this strange parable of the lamp. Um, And I've heard everything from kids' church versions of this to uh, some of the points that I'd like to share with
1: everybody today. But I want to see what stands out to you first, Barney. Sure. I I think you're exactly right that we need to go. We need to really uh, make sure that we understand that it doesn't seem to be that there was a a pause or other than just to say, okay, here's another parable, and he goes right into it. But it came right on the heels of Jesus saying uh, but the seed in the good soul, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. The concepts of what Jesus is saying about the word of God do not change in the next parable either. No. So but so I see that, and I love the fact that he's talking about light here. That's one of the favorite things that I, I love about God and His word and the light of that word. So that is this yeah. is a this is a cool very cool important piece. and it and it
0: really does uh, coincide with your message on Sunday when you're talking about fellowship that that one of the key indicators of Christian fellowship is light with light. Yes, light does not fellowship with darkness. and so that theme of light, it's everywhere, mm-hmm. and God is and this is this is the good, this is the right thing. so, So verse 16 starts off and says, Now, no one after lighting a lamp covers it over with a container or puts it under a bed, but he puts it on a lampstand so that those who come in may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not become evident nor anything secret that will not be known and come to light. So take care how you listen. Now, I think we have to get to 18 before we can really start making the connection to the previous parable. But he says, now take care how you listen. For whoever has, to him more shall be given. And whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, shall be taken away from him. And and there has been so much argument over this Uh passage. It sounds like well, there's people who have, and Jesus just said he's gonna take away from them. What what sense does that make? But if we if we root this firmly in the context of a Jewish people uh-huh. to whom Jesus is speaking, a Jewish people who had the law and the prophets. They hadn't been given all of these things. He seems to be saying, He seems to be saying, you had a lamp that was lit. Uh-huh. Okay? Now, we've read this as a children's version, which is once you accept Jesus, the lamp is lit, don't hide it under a Mm -hmm. bushel, spread the gospel. Sure, I'm I'm sure that that that's that's biblical, Mm -hmm. but I'm not sure this is where we should find that because here's what I, I see happening. The Jewish people had had a lamp uh, that they were they were to be a beacon of light to the world. Okay, now this is I know that this might be obscure. I don't know what commentaries would deal with something like this, but the Jewish people had a light. They were supposed to shine to the world, and Jesus indicates that they had better not put it under their bed or under a container because it's supposed to shine into the world. Verse seventeen: Nothing is hidden that will not become for nothing is hidden that will not become evident uh nor anything secret that will not be known and come to light so take care how you listen what's he just said to them he said the word was sown on all these soils and it depends on how they listened mm-hmm. depends on what they did with it so he says be careful how you listen for whoever has to him more shall be given so you if you're listening, you have that seed, you have that word of God, more is going to be given to mm-hmm. you. You're going to grow. Your light is going to shine. There's going to be impact. But then he says, but whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, these people had the law and the prophets. Mm-hmm. They thought they were set. Absolutely. I'm Abraham's child. Mm-hmm. And Jesus would say, I, "I, you know, I can make children out of rocks, right? Mm -hmm. That doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. So he says, even what he thinks he has shall be
1: taken away from him. I think
0: there's something more Mm -hmm. in this than a children's story.
1: Yes. I love the tie-in to what the folks that he was speaking to, the, the light that they had. Obviously, at that time, as we've talked about many times, they didn't have the the New, the New Testament scriptures as we have them today. Those had not been written uh, yet. They, they were in process, actually in process as in action at that yes. time. So I, I think, first of all, what Jesus says here, you're, I, I think you're dead on. I think that they are the truth of God had been given to them. That's the the light. So uh, they had a resp- responsibility, and it's one that within their, seemingly within their groups, their families, the Jews did a pretty good job of proclaiming what God had said and the truth as they knew it of God. But here, I, I think here is the difference is that Jesus came and said listen there's there, there's there's this is how I'm reading this there's light there's light that's coming now and the once we have the truth we have the responsive the responsibility to spread the truth whenever God gives us the opportunity and they had the responsibility to spread it to live it to yes. live the truth and so it's it's really uh uh it it, it it wasn't given to them, so it would be hidden. No. It was not, and it's not given to us, no. so it would be hidden and, either.
0: And in that, this is this is again why I I'm gonna you know I want to fight for the context. I want to fight for who Jesus is speaking to now. Mm-hmm. And in this context, he's speaking to the Jewish people. He, sure. He's not. Nothing has changed yet that has caused him to go outside of those walls. Um, so when we remember the 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 covenant promise and the covenant responsibility, if you will, of the Jewish people, they were to be a light to the nations. Mm -hmm. They were to be a blessing uh, to the nations. They had refused to do so, Mm -hmm. okay? This is why Mm -hmm. there's such correction in the New Testament about loving your neighbor. These people just didn't get it. And when Jesus later would say, uh, Samaritans are better at this than you, Mm -hmm. it was highly offensive. But, and I love what you just brought up, we share this now. This is where what we do is we take what was read in the in their context, in their world, in this setting, and we we cross over that that great river of context and and understanding and everything to application for us today and even application for Christians. And that application would be, "We have a light to shine. How dare we not shine it?" Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Because the fear is, even the thing we think we have, God says, you are an unfaithful servant. Mm -hmm. I'm taking that from you. You didn't do as you were asked. So what you just kind of pulled my heart towards was this idea that says, maybe we even parallel this with that parable of the, the talents. And you say, whoa, we've been given light. Do not hide it under yeah. a bushel. Yeah. You don't bury this in the backyard. You invest it. You spread it. Mm-hmm. You share it. You do what the Jews refuse to do as a Christian,
1: and you see the fruit of this. So, wow that that to it, me is it's, powerful. It's a it's a it's a very enlightening statement that Jesus makes here. Uh, no pun intended. So, so in verse eighteen, so take care how you listen, and 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 I think that. I, I I there's a lot there's a lot in that and I certainly have not come to a final conclusion of what I think this is but but what I lean towards is that first of all if you're listening just to know it to be able to espouse it word for word that that's that's not a bad thing necessarily it's not bad but but if you're taking the truth of God and these people were no different to take the truth of God into your heart and say, hey, I want to be able to do more than just put it on a band on my wrist or make my license plate so that it says, you know, I love I love Jesus or or wear a fish symbol around my right. uh, neck. I want to be able to live so that people see it and, and, and then uh, uh, proclaim that we have a, a, re, a responsibility uh, and these people had it. To be able to proclaim God based on the light that he had, he had shown to them, so take care how you listen. Yes. What are you? How are you listening? So yes. there's a lot in that. I I I few, love this story. A few points on that because
0: you just just stirring up these thoughts, and this is a really good thing. Is that? Um, the contrast between Luke's gospel and Mark's gospel on this same thing is very intriguing. Mm-hmm. In Mark's gospel, which you would find this in Mark chapter four, but but zeroing in on Mark four twenty four, here's what Mark's gospel says. It says, "Take care what you listen to." Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. isn't isn't it interesting that Mark emphasizes the what? But Luke emphasizes how you listen. There is an importance to what you listen to, mm-hmm. the content of what you listen to. But as you just po- pointed out and, and very importantly pointed out, uh, how you listen to it matters. The, the Pharisees knew the Bible, knew the, the Old Testament scriptures better uh, than anyone. The scribes mm-hmm. maybe more than them. And mm-hmm. if you were both, wow, you, you had a lot of knowledge. But I've shared this with so many people throughout the years, and it's important for us to keep hearing these truths, and that is, uh, when we meet Jesus face-to-face, uh, the idea is, will we stand in his righteousness, or are we claiming our own? Mm-hmm. We are not admitted into his presence. We are not told, well done, good and faithful servant, be- uh, servant because we passed a Bible quiz, yeah. right? Um, you can know a whole lot and miss the point, Yes. right? Should you know a whole lot? Yes. And I'll fight for that till I die. Mm -hmm. I think people, we have no excuse to be as biblically illiterate as we are in today's world, but we need to know it, but we need to know why we know it. We need to know what it means for us. So it gets back To what you pointed out here, which is, this is how you listen. Mm -hmm. How are you listening to this? Mm -hmm. Is this for passing a test or is this for transforming a life? Mm -hmm. It is for transforming a life, not for passing a test. So very powerful. Uh, Another thing uh, that that just kind of sparked my my heart when you were talking is uh, we just studied in Father's group uh, last week, Ezekiel chapter 3. And the idea that Ezekiel had two responsibilities to captive Israel. The first was he was to go to captive Israel and he was to tell them when they uh, when they were not following God. And if they listened, salvation uh-huh. in, in a manner of speaking. Salvation. If they did not listen, then their blood was on their hands. However, the scripture says that if Ezekiel withholds the message, their blood will be counted to him. He has yes. to pay for this. So, whoa, you you tend to take uh-huh. a deep breath on this. The second message was that he was also supposed to call out their sin. Uh-huh. And so in he and if he told them of their sin and I think we would parallel this in the New Testament say, you know, if you if you win your brother over from their sin, you've saved him. That's a beautiful thing. But In Ezekiel 3, it says that if he refused to tell them about their sin and they stumbled, well, God was going to hold him to account. Well, the the facts are still on the table that the parallel is perfect in the New Testament. We have a responsibility to to, uh, lovingly, graciously, compassionately call our brothers to account. We should not be lev- levying accusations lightly, and we should always correct a brother with gentleness. We are to call them out. If we don't, has God changed that he won't hold us to account? Has he, has he changed mm. that he won't say, Nathan, what were you doing? Right? Um, second, if we are called to preach a message, the gospel message, so as to bring people to the saving work of Jesus— the, the gospel, the power of God unto salvation, and we refuse to do it, has God's heart changed mm. that he would not say, well, don't worry about it. It was just a suggestion. No. no. Like, no. this is our call. And right here, we've got it. Shine your light. Mm-hmm. Shine mm-hmm. your light. Otherwise, even what you think you have is going to be taken from you. Yeah. That should humble
1: us. Oh, my goodness. Every yes. day. It gets to the heart of the thing. On this same verse 18 again, the other thing that I think is very important here when you read that, so, so it says, So take care how you listen, for whoever has, to him more shall be given. And whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, shall be taken away from him. It's some, some translations say even what he seems to have. This one says, this is the NASB, says even what he thinks he has. It, it makes my mind go back. To what in to the Laodicean church in Revelations? Yes. And it, it, they said to themselves, <laughs> "This is Revelation 3, 14 through twenty two. We are rich, wealthy, and need nothing." They didn't know that they were actually, they were actually wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I I, I think there's a message here. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want to. Take away from what the context that we are in. But there is, there is no difference in those that that if they don't uh, use what they seem to have, that, that could be taken away. Oh, yes. That could be taken away. And that's no different then than it is now. There again, they were they were charged with proclaiming God. To the nations, we're we're charged with the we're same charged. thing. Yeah, as we as we love to say, it's the great commission, commission yeah. not the great suggestion. Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, and for all those out there that really struggle with this idea of the balance between grace and law, or the idea that that we are still uh, that God has called us to a thing. All I would say to that person who says, no, it's all by grace, and it's grace, 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 which it is. I I get your heart. All I would say to that person is this. We're in the New Testament reading that it will be taken away from somebody. We're in the New Testament that says you're pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Mm -hmm. We're in the New Testament that says uh, he will be cast into outer darkness where there is burning and gnashing of teeth. Uh, So... We we really have to wrestle with the fact that we are we've been dealing with a God of grace since the beginning. Absolutely, people have missed that. He does not and, change, and He is still also a God of righteousness and justice. And I think we see this confirmed in the next three verses. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have this really intriguing story. It says his mother and brothers came to him, uh, and they were unable to get to him because of the crowd, and it was reported to him. Hey Jesus, you know, your mother and your brothers and uh, are are standing outside wishing to see you. Now, here's a here's a response of all responses. Yeah. But he answered and said to them, that is the people who informed him in the crowd, the, the disciples he's ministering to. He says, "My mother and my brothers are those are these who hear the word of God and do it." Mm-hmm. Right, And I I believe it's in Matthew's translation, it says, those who listen and obey, right? They they listen to the word of God and they obey it, Um, which of course is absolutely where I stole my idea for what I teach my children. But (laughs) so the idea here is, yes, there's grace, but God says, here's who my family is. My family are those who hear the word of God and they do it. Mm -hmm. Now, don't divorce this from that last parable. It was the word of God sown on seed, and He just said, "Here, you hear the word, and you do it." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's all connected, and we we tend to compartmentalize Scripture. We read it in these little chunks, and we because our Bibles have headings everywhere, which are just absurd sometimes, and and we read these things, and we just come up with all kinds mm-hmm, of weird ideas, mm-hmm. uh, or we lose a really important meaning.
1: Mm-hmm. So, it's it is it is very important to note that Jesus didn't. Dishonor his mother, no, or, nor any of his family. He simply said that those that are close to me are those that hear the word of God and do it. My my brother and, and my mother and my brothers are these who hear the word of God and do it. He didn't say that they didn't do that. He yes. said he just made a statement. So. It, he there was no dishonor in what he said as it relates to especially you you, you know honor your father and mother he was not dishonouring his yes. mother nor his brothers we'll get to this of course in
0: in uh in another podcast when we talk about the the wedding feast at Canaan mm-hmm. yes we, we talk about Jesus responding and saying woman uh, yes. and and of course it sounds it sound it sounds and often is derogatory today mm-hmm. it just wasn't it wasn't a disrespectful thing so great 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 point there. Um, Here's the three things that I think if you're going to take away something from the beginning of Luke chapter 8, you should take away. And that is everything in these 21 verses has to do with how you hear a thing. Okay? How you hear a thing. Uh, In the first one, it's receiving the word with gladness. It's receiving the word with an honest and good heart, holding fast to it, bearing fruit with perseverance. In the second one, it is hearing the word and letting it shine uh, Mm -hmm. throughout the world, right? So take care how you listen. Mm -hmm. And then in 21, my mother and brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. it how you hear and what you do with that are intimately connected, mm-hmm. intimately connected. So we've got a lot just in 21 verses right
1: there. So why don't you roll us into the next piece? Yeah, this is, this is, a, this is a really good story. Uh, it says, starting in verse 22, now on one of those days, and one of the days that Jesus was ministering, uh, uh, Jesus and his disciples got into a boat and he said to them, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they launched out. But as they were sailing along, he fell asleep and a fierce gale of wind descended on the lake and they began to be swamped and be in in danger. So water was coming, was flowing into the boat so much that they thought the boat was going to sink. They came to Jesus and woke him up saying, master, master, we are perishing. And he got up and rebuked the wind and the, and the surging waves, and they stopped, and it became calm. And he said to them, where is your faith? I'll stop there. <laughs> yeah,
0: where is your faith? So, uh, so of course this is huge, and and we love to make all kinds of jokes when we're when we're uh, being corny Christians yes. in our in our humor. So I don't know how fierce Gail was, but she was pretty was fierce. fierce anyway. Okay, so that was wah wah. Okay, I get it. I'm no good at jokes. I'm a dad. That's the way it goes. But the emphasis of this actually has to do with with uh, what Jesus does. He rebukes the wind and the surging waves, and they stop, and it became calm, right? And this storm mm-hmm. it became calm. And then this phrase, which is, which is unique in Luke, and it's, uh, there's a slight difference in what we read in Mark's. Mark's seems a little harsh, but here's, here's what I want us to focus on. And he said to them, where is your faith? Mark says this. Mark says, do you still have no faith? Wow. Okay. Now, that, that although that seems a little harsher, uh, do you still have no faith? The question that we need to ask when we're going through this, we need to really submit ourselves to asking good questions. And one of the questions is, um, what was he referring to that their faith was in? Was it in a miracle?
1: Hmm.
0: Was it in a miracle? It's easy to read that into this mm-hmm. text. It's easy to say, Gosh, where is your faith? Don't you know I can command the wind and the waves? And you got to imagine the disciples would have gone. Uh, as a matter of fact, no, we didn't know yeah. <laughs> you could you could do this. Peter doesn't till much later say you're the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the Living God. It doesn't matter if John the Baptist did tell him that. He, he's th- he doesn't know mm-hmm. it until later, or he doesn't know it until the Father reveals it. So the better question is again what what faith were they? were they struggling with. Mm-hmm. And my my conclusion in all of this is they were they had no faith in Jesus at all. It had nothing to do with a measure. It had nothing to do with they scored a 1 on a scale of 1 to 10, but if they would have gotten to a 2 all of a sudden that they would have been <laughs> Jesus would have said you guys are amazing, right? It's it's not about a scale of faith. Their issue was they didn't trust Jesus at all. In just about anything, mm-hmm. and how do we see when this is gonna, this is gonna uh, ruffle some feathers? And I need you to hear me out when when I say this. But one of the clear evidences that you struggle with faith is that your life is marked with fear, and we're talking about phobia. Yes, where you're living in this place where you go, I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. I'm scared to death. It's never going to work out. If you're riddled with constant anxiety. The the antidote to that is knowing the character Mm -hmm. of God, knowing who he is. And just so you know, you're keeping good company. Uh, Although you need to grow, you are keeping good company. This is the way the apostles were. They said they had no faith that Mm -hmm. Jesus was who he said he was. They didn't see that. They might not have known he could calm the seas. But they
1: didn't trust him, right? Right. That's I, the trick. In this. I I I think the idea, and I and I love where that's going because, I I think it's it's notable that he says, "Where is your faith?" First of all, let's just kind of rewind back just slightly. These guys are all fishermen. They're experienced. They've been out on this lake many times, and the in it, it's known at, at the sea of the sea of Galilee is well known for sudden storms violent storms it still happens today and the this the uh, severity of this storm and these guys were experienced they were like they they had to know this is a bad storm these these were guys that were used to being out on the lake in a storm was their faith in the fact that this was a storm that was so bad that they didn't know what to do as experienced men was their faith in what they could do i think their faith may have been in what they could do, I, I, it, they had run out of ideas here. This storm was something they could no longer do anything about, and they That's said, fantastic. "I mean, they thought they were going to die, and they thought Jesus was going to yes. die along with them." You know, it, you're you're bringing
0: up a really important point that they they had this experience, and it is true. I've said this many times. You, we all have faith in something. Yes. The issue is, is it faith in you or are you putting your faith in God? Are you putting your trust? That's what faith is. Are you putting your faith in God? And so your point is amazing that, that maybe their faith, maybe their trust is solely in their ability to overcome. Another thought that's worth considering here is these men had seen Jesus fill two boats with fish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um did they just connect that with a some sort of prophetic knowledge of something and not his causing that thing? Or did they know that he filled the boats with those fish, the nets, and then consequently the boats with those fish, and now they're not thinking he can control nature when it comes to wind and waves? I don't know, but it seems to me that the main takeaway that we should be really looking for— is that they just didn't trust him. Now, now some would say, but Nathan, they went to him. They said, Master, Master, we're perishing. Uh, and he got up and rebuked the wind and surging waves. But to that I would call back and I would say, Yeah, but they didn't ask him for anything. Right. They said, Master, master, we're, we're all perishing. gonna die. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. not you didn't you didn't go to him about anything. You just yes. you're like letting him know. We're going down with the ship. That's not really faith here. So I don't think that they trusted him. And then the final piece of 25 seems to help us. Uh, They were fearful and amazed, saying to one another, Who then is this that he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him? It seems right there they discovered he's in control of nature. Yes. So it doesn't make sense that the problem with their faith was... They really didn't believe he was in control of the wind and the waves. They didn't know it it seems mm-hmm. until then because their marveling was who are we hanging out yes.
1: with here? Yes.
0: This guy is something.
1: They they were uh they were amazed at what they saw and 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 it does it it does lend to the fact that they didn't really understand this until this time. But here's here's one of the things that I that I go to and I I keep what rings in my head is the fact that Jesus told the Pharisees and the scribes you search the scripture because you think in them you have life and they talk about me and you totally miss it. Listen to what Psalm 89 says, O Lord, God of hosts, who is mighty like you, O Lord? your faithfulness surrounds you. you rule the raging of the sea. When waves rise, you still them. That's Psalm eighty-nine, verses eight and nine. It's awesome. I thought, wow, these guys were not apart. I mean, there, someone there would have known or would have had an idea that that psalm existed. You would have hoped,
0: <laughs> and 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 there you go. Right there, they're not thinking. Okay, let's just run a thought experiment here. Let's say every person on that boat knew that psalm from memory. Let's say they did, okay? And they knew that God stilled the waves. Here's what we clearly know. They didn't think Jesus was God. Exactly. If that thought experiment is true, if that's the logic of this, and it's just something that I'm proposing, if that's the logic, what they're getting at, which seems to just confirm what we've already said, but it's they don't believe Jesus is Mm -hmm. who John claimed him to be, as Tina pointed out, they don't believe he, he is, who his actions have shown him to be, uh, whether it's the forgiveness of sins or the healing of people. They don't believe he is this. Mm-hmm. So they have no faith or they still have no faith. Yeah. Because what Mark seems to indicate is that he has walked them through a progression that they should be trusting him, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They should be. And Mark's statement is... You still don't have any yeah, faith? Yeah. Like after everything I've done, you're you don't see me for for what I am? You come to me and go we're all going to die. Uh, that's all you got?
1: Mm-hmm. You need to trust me. They were doing exactly and I think you're right when you noted back to the thing that John was doing and Tina had mentioned that they were doing <laughs> my goodness, they're doing what men have done throughout the ages of time. They're letting the circumstances dictate what they believe about God, yeah. They're let, they they saw Jesus asleep and thinking, they had to be thinking. I, I, I it was. It, it, he's asleep. He's asleep. Does God need to sleep? He was fully man, but fully God. They saw in just that moment they saw him display himself as God, but yet man when he needed to sleep. Yeah. I, I, I. It, they let the circumstances dictate their. Their thoughts about God and what God and in this case who God was. Absolutely, they didn't realize He was in the boat with them. So, uh, total conjecture on this point. Uh, chew
0: it up, spit it out. Mm-hmm. Whatever you think, but he, but here's here's a thought for you. Um, it could be that after this great parable of the the soil that we read yesterday, that we we parsed through yesterday. One of those pieces of soil, they fall away after they've been tested. Uh-huh. It could be that Jesus' progression with his disciples, and especially in this boat, was to show them, I want you to know, right now, you're not good soil. Uh-huh. Right now, and again, this is, this is conjecture. I, I'd love to hear people's thoughts on this. But it could be that Jesus is looking at them and saying, I'm growing you, and right now, you're not a good and gentle heart. You're, you're missing something here, and that is trials are coming, and you're panicking. Mm-hmm. And then the one thing that I believe is, is, is clear in this text is that they moved from fear to fear. Yeah. They moved from a terror and a faithless phobia to a faithful reverence of the God who can tell the wind
1: yes. what to do. yes. And that's They were fearful over that, that and that's sure. pretty powerful. Yes. So
0: we move forward into another demon story. So what a what a fun situation. <laughs> so we're just going to walk through this, and we'll we'll uh, chime in as we go. Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when he came out onto the land, uh, he was met by a man from the city who was possessed with demons and who had not put on any clothing for a long time. Okay, mm-hmm. we're going to move to PG-13, I suppose, yes. rated R. <laughs> and was not living in a house, but in the tombs. So tombs, right? You, you're, you're among uh, among the dead. Seeing Jesus, he cried out and fell before him and said in a loud voice, What business do we have with each other, Jesus, Son of the Most High God, I beg you, do not torment me. Mm-hmm. Fascinating question is, mm-hmm. had this guy ever even heard of Jesus before? Mm-hmm. It seems these are the demons. I think we're going to prove that, but sure. it's the demons and they know who the son of the most high mm-hmm. God is. While the disciples can't get it right yeah. on the boat,
1: the devil knows <laughs> exactly. and he shudders and he fears. Well, this man had been demon possessed, it says, for, it'd been for a long time. It'd been a long time. It says, there in verse 27, uh, seven, that he was, uh, uh, he had not put on any clothing. He was possessed for a long time. He w- wasn't living in a house, he was in the tombs. And these demons had obviously been dragging him around for a long time. He lived among the dead. He, he, uh, uh, it seemed like he had, that they had tried to contain him or put him in bonds and said he had broke the bonds. So he had, these demons were giving him some kind of a, a strength that was that was unusual at the very least, but they were tormenting him because it and Mark even notes that he was crying out and cutting himself with rocks and stones. Yeah. So this man was in desperate need of of Jesus,, uh, the only one that could that could get rid of those demons out of him. He was in a dire circumstance yeah absolutely so so then we
0: I mean I I don't know I, I'm I'm with Emily from the other day I'm thinking is this just is this just common yeah uh, for, for what's going on and again my 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 brain tends to go to the fact that there was a sp- there was a unique point in history, in human history, and demonic influence that that Jesus had come to break and come to put an end to, and and also to stake his claim to show that he is who he said he was. So, so it goes on, and they they seized him many times, bound him with chains and shackles, kept him under guard, and yet he would break his bonds and be driven by the demon mm-hmm. into the desert. So, so this guy is under this control. Uh, by this demon. Now that's to be paralleled, uh, <coughs> to be um, contrasted rather, by the fact that when Jesus goes out into the desert, although he's tempted by the devil, he's driven there by the Spirit of God. Yes, he's, he's following the lead of the Spirit of God. This guy's following the lead of this demon into the desert. Verse 30, and Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he said, legion for many demons had entered him. Mm-hmm. And I believe... Um, what translation, or what uh, Matthew is the alternative for this story? Mm-hmm. And Matthew talks about, uh, his name was Legion, for we are many. Yes, uh, Talking about the, that almost this demon was speaking for the the entourage that was within him. And that, that begs all kinds of questions that I, I frankly don't have any answers for. But verse 31 goes on. Uh, they were imploring him not to command them to go away into the abyss. And he... Any thoughts on the abyss? Have you looked yeah. into that a little yeah, bit? Yeah, I
1: looked. I mean, there's a it, it, it's it's talked about as uh, I believe it's in uh, Revelations where it talks about that Jesus cast the devil and his angels into the abyss, and uh, I, I I I would tend to believe, and I'd love to hear other people's thoughts on this. I would tend to believe that's could very well be the same abyss, and likely is. Yeah. Uh, but uh, this shows the this shows the final end of Satan and, and his crew. Uh, this is this is uh, this was a situation where they met head on. They ran headlong into. Uh, it, uh, let me back up for just a second. This man, this man came to Christ. He he came to Jesus when Jesus came. So there was a point at which, and, and I'm not sure how this works but somehow this man sought out out Jesus. It didn't seem that Jesus went and found him. He sought out Christ. But these demons that were in him came face to face with the Son of God and, and that was not a good end for them. No, absolutely not. So it seems, and, and to
0: just kind of confirm the point that you uh, made earlier, and that is that Matthew twenty five forty one seems to talk about the accursed ones into the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his hmm. angels, which would include these particular uh, demons, legion, Uh uh, 2 Peter 2 24, for if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to pits of darkness reserved for judgment, it seems to communicate the same thing. And then uh, Revelation 20, which you, which you uh, referred to earlier, uh, the, the text there says, and he threw him into the abyss and shut it and sealed it over him. So that he would not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were completed. After these things, he must be released for a short time. And there's, of course, a lot to Revelation, and we, we don't have the time to jump into that. But the point here is that it seems that these demons, this legion, the many, in this one particular man are employing Jesus not to commend them to go into the abyss. I believe we read elsewhere that they they talk about going before their permitted time or something uh-huh. like this. Verse 32 uh, goes and says, Now, there was a herd of many swine feeding there on the mountains, and the demons implored him to permit them to enter the swine, and he gave them permission. Now, that seems a strange request, um, and no demons don't like bacon, and Jesus hates it. I mean, it's just there's another one of those really bad jokes. But the idea here is this is a strange idea
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, that's permit, that's that's said here. What what are we dealing yeah. with
1: in this? I don't know. It, it, there there is a somewhat of a, a parallel story, and this is parallel in Mark as well. But it's it but it's it's a different re, uh, quite a different request from these demons. They didn't want to be sent out of the country, I think it says in Mark five ten. 10, it, it is, it, it that's, an, that's it, the whole, this, this story is very uh, difficult for us to understand exactly what's going on because it's, it's on a level of, 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 uh, of demons that are, that have come face to face with Jesus. And I, I don't know that we get Everything that's going on here, we can see that Jesus had complete control over them. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, they, they talk about, the, you know, the other thing that stood out to me in this is was the name, and I, I'm not sure it was a name, Legion, uh, a legion of, of of soldiers in the Roman army it was like six thousand soldiers or something. Seems so, to
0: be an identifier, uh, not necessarily just a exactly. name. Exactly.
1: Now I don't know. We I don't, are a legion. Yeah. It doesn't. I don't know that it means that there were six thousand demons in this guy. I just don't know that. It doesn't say that. But that's it, it, that's it's interesting that they that that says. You know, legion. For we are many. Yes. Well, there's a legion. Was many. That's yeah. for sure. But this whole interaction between Christ and the and this demon possessed man, it is uh, uh, in there there this note in Mark where this uh, where it's required requested that they don't get sent out of country. And I'll, I'll just quickly just say that there there are commentators and scholars who believe that this was. This was when this was asked. That this was the man who was asking at that point, at a point where he was had come to himself enough that he could ask. So I, I don't, don't cast I don't know me that. out. Don't cast me out of the country. Yeah. And so I, I don't know. That's that is up up for uh, debate. And yeah. and many scholars that know far more about this than I do have probably come to. A, a lot better uh, uh, understand understanding of this. It
0: still remains a very intriguing thought. I think a couple of the pieces that I would um, I would just throw out there for people to people to wrestle with or or think through is um, first of all, we can look at the book of Job and realize that God permits a lot of things God God allows things that we would all say, uh, why does God allow? you know even the that age old question why does god allow bad things to happen to good people and we're not going to get on the the subject of good people or not I, I think we've missed the point sometimes with those things but but here here's the point god does allow a lot of things mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. god god does allow a lot of things in job's life he allowed a lot of things now that makes us wrestle but here's why we wrestle because this is this is my opinion and i and i hope you'll hear it with Compassion, but I believe the reason why we wonder why God does what he does is because we often judge ourselves to be more compassionate, more gracious, uh, more akin to being good than God himself is. If God is good, well, first of all, if God is sovereign, he is supreme ruler. If God is good and God is just, anything he does is still good and just uh-huh. even though we don't understand it we have we we have a hermeneutic in our life we have an interpretive method in our life that says something is only good if i understand why no no, no. you can never understand some things, and God still says it's good. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. so that's that's something to wrestle with and and the point here is God sends these demons into a herd of pigs. Well yeah. you know is mad right yeah, now exactly. you know because <laughs> Jesus is sending them away. but but here's the thing. I also see a positive in this, and that is how would you confirm? Other than a changed lifestyle, and, I, and oh. I believe that, how would you confirm that these demons are truly gone?
1: Yeah, great point.
0: Right here, he sends them into the pigs, and, the, and they go to their demise. It is over the edge of the cliff, and now they're drowned, and it's over with and done. It seems that the healing is verified
1: yeah. in the yeah. story
0: by the casting out, because all of a sudden the pigs... Are taken over by something
1: yeah, and go. They're gone. And I think that's a that's a great point. And I think it's something that that we uh, that 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 certainly would verify for the people that were there. And were and and the the other piece of this that is intriguing to me is in verse thirty two when when it talks about the herd of many swine that were feeding on on the mountain and the demons implored him Jesus to permit. Them to permit them yes. to enter the swine, and he gave them permission. They had to ask permission. It's Job again, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's that's what made me think of that. Is like they, Jesus had to permit them to enter those swine. Uh, I, I, I. We could go on forever about the s- sovereignty of God and how that plays out in so many ways. But my goodness, I it's I think. We see through a glass darkly yes. a little bit sometimes. And
0: right there, like you said, his sovereignty is there. Yes, it's very clear. Completely. There is a permission, there is an allowance, mm-hmm. or there is a shutting down. I, I completely uh, understand when we say, but Why? But I still hearken back to the statement I just made. And that is, don't judge good or right by your understanding of why. You, you can't do that. All right. If you do, well, there's a lot of things you're not going to think are good. Absolutely. There's going to be a lot of things that you don't think are right. Okay, so we, we move forward uh, into verse 33. And the demons came out of the man and entered the swine. And they heard, rushed down the steep bank mm-hmm. into the lake and was drowned. Um, now you can expect what's going to happen from these people right <laughs> when the herdsmen saw what had happened they ran away <laughs> and reported it in the city and out in the country so they this is a big deal okay it's a big deal on two fronts their pigs are dead yes but it's also big on it's also uh big because this man who had been a thorn in the side of this mm-hmm. area is now Cleansed. So 34 or 35, the people went out to see what had happened. Uh, And they and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting down at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they became frightened. Wow. Okay. Now I don't know. Were they frightened because they didn't know? That this man had been set free, and now they think Jesus is is the Lord over this man's madness. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, I'm not sure on this. I'm just throwing out ideas that could could happen here. But here's what I love about the natural flow of of redemption or following Jesus, and that is everybody just follows and sits at his feet right they they do yeah. what he says i love that mm-hmm. mother brother and sisters mm-hmm. these are mine yes. cuz they hear and do
1: i what what really stands out to me is the fear that these people had they were and this is now get this it seems that they were more they were it says they were seized with great fear they were afraid were they more afraid of the man that had been freed from, from these demons than they were before? Were, were they not afraid of the man before? Do they think that Jesus and what he had done, or should they have been more fearful of what Christ had done in this man's life? Than they were prior to That's that. Stand that. I'm like, I'm not sure I comprehend yeah. their fear completely. So, so the question is, and I think I think we're gonna find the answer
0: in 36. Uh, at least in my opinion, we're gonna find the answer in 36. But I love that that this train of thought or this line of questioning, because when we're wrestling with the text of Scripture honestly, we we should be willing to ask questions and then realize. I was wrong in my assumption or or oh I got the answer it comes a little bit later our natural inclination to think of fear is phobia, terror, they're scared and we would both say are you afraid that this that this Jesus who you don't know yet is the lord over this guy who's a crazy man or or are you fearful of this man now but verse 36 says those who were seen who had seen it reported to them how the man who was demon possessed had been made well maybe their fear was the same that we saw of the disciples in the boat after Jesus calms Uh the wind and the waves. uh All of a sudden, they feared him, it Uh says. Maybe this fear is a profound reverence. You would think that that kind of reverence would lead them to want his input, but what comes next? What comes next? Mm-hmm. It says, and all the people of the country of the Gerasians and the surrounding district asked him to leave. Get out of here. <laughs> so that's where it confuses yes. me yet again. Yes. That's You the go reason right back and you go, wait a second. Wouldn't you say, come, come, come. He says, for they gr- were gripped with great fear and he got into a boat and returned. Mm -hmm. But the man from whom the demons had gone out was begging him that he might accompany him. Let me go with you. But look at what Jesus does. And he does this with us in our life after we are are following him and putting our trust in him. But he sent him away saying, return to your house and describe what great things God has done
1: for you. Mm -hmm. Go preach the gospel. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. how I'm reading Mm -hmm. that, right? Well, these people seemed to have no experience with a God who could release a demon-possessed man. And he said, and I love, I love this. They, I mean, I, I'm sure I, it could very well be that they were gripped with fear because they were in awe that they had just experienced God and seen him do something that they had no folder in their mind for. And I think that, but when, when, when he says to them... He has clearly done this. Return to your house and describe what great things God has done for you. He's opened your eyes and shown you that He has the power to change this. Yes. He has the power that and 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 to, to to free this man, to bring him back to life, him to be clothed and in his right mind. He restored this man completely. That gives me great hope. Not not just for circumstances of people with being demon possessed we serve a great god a god that is that is beyond anything that we can imagine and these their response seemed totally inappropriate you would have thought that they would have said stay with us yes show us it. more of this.
0: but they push him out, they say "Go, and it and it goes back to this piece that we talked about before. what we're what we're wrestling with in our interpretation is saying, what kind of fear are we talking about here? And so here, here's my 30,000-foot my view analysis of this. There's this strange story about a demon-possessed man. The demons get thrown into pigs, and they go flying off a cliff, okay? Then you have everybody coming to, the, you know, to this car wreck that yeah. has just happened, and they're fascinated by this because the guy survives the wreck, okay? They come to this car wreck, and they're looking at everything, and there's this great fear that's gripping them. And we're asking the question, what kind of fear is this? I believe that that fear is they're afraid. Their fear is an unknown fear. They don't know what's happening, good or bad, Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. way or that way. And when the man asks Jesus to come after him and to stay with him, Jesus is so gracious to those people who are left in darkness, Mm -hmm. who are left in fear, that he says, I'm going to leave you a minister. I'm going to leave you a guy who has a gospel message. And now he goes back and says, look at what God has done for me. Look at what God has done for me. Look at what God has done for me. And here my connection with the whole chapter is all of a sudden he's sowing seed. And hopefully it's landed on people who say, How are we going to hear this? Mm -hmm. I want to listen. I want to see that man is the Savior. That man is the King of Kings. So powerful story uh, that dumps us right out into more and more miracles. Okay. (laughs) Miracles of healing, starting at verse 40. And as Jesus returned, the people welcomed him, for they had all been waiting for him. Um, uh, I can't remember where this was that he
1: was returning to. Well, the other side of the Sea of Galilee, maybe the other. Uh... Hey, if you know the answer to it, chime in on yes. the on the
0: podcast. Let us know. Uh, let us know where that was. I, my mind is not working this this afternoon. So, uh, so verse forty. They were waiting for him, and there came a man named Jairus. And he was an official of the synagogue, and he fell at Jesus' feet and began to implore him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about twelve years old, and she was dying. But as he went, the crowds were pressing against him. The woman and a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years and could not be healed by anyone came up behind him, touched the fringe of his cloak, and immediately her hemorrhage stopped. So, so we've got to paint the picture here. Jairus, who is official, an official in the synagogue, has a daughter who's dying. Okay. She is actively dying and she was dying. And then you have the woman with the issue of blood Mm -hmm. for 12 Mm -hmm. years. So the first healing we encounter is this woman who's pressing in just to touch the hem of Jesus's garment and she's made Mm -hmm. whole. What, what are some thoughts on that?
1: The first thing that comes to mind is the very, is verse, verse 40. And as Jesus returned, the people welcomed him. A, a vastly different uh view of him than That's he had just awesome. left. That that they were they were welcoming of him. This this fella, uh Jarius, he he was a they call him a ruler of the synagogue. This I mean, he he was in charge of all of the things for the physical services that were in the synagogue. So this man was not a low ranking man. He would have been one that would have been pretty well known. Uh, people that were a ruler in the synagogue, they handled the physical arrangements. So people knew who he was. And I'm sure, first of all, this man, I don't know about what he has heard. We don't have... We don't have a way of knowing exactly what he had heard about Christ, but we we do read where the stories of the things that Jesus had been doing, the miracles of healing, had been known throughout that area. So it would have been well known to him, especially in his job. He may have even sat there when Jesus had been teaching in in the synagogue. We don't know that. But this man at some point knows that his only hope is to get to Jesus. His only hope. Yeah. His daughter is dying, and and that 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 he 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 was he be. It says he fell at the feet of Jesus and began to implore him. He was desperate, yes. desperate, yes. desperate. Uh, here's a here's a piece of uh, geekiness,
0: scholarly uh, uh, scholarly trivia. If you want, here the the guy's name is Jarius, and there are people who say that there is some sort of... some sort of uniqueness or symbolism to his name. Mm-hmm. The, the first part of his name is J-A-I-R, Jer. Uh, and that word in the Greek means God will awaken. Now, oh, wow. uh, now, that sounds like a thousand and one preacher sermons here, like, you know, <laughs> be a Jer, you know, be a Jarius or something like this. H- here's all I would say. Of course, that's something that people like to talk about. There is no allusion to this uh, from the evangelists themselves, from the gospel writers themselves. It's just something that you find later in the meanings of names and breaking them down mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you go, whoa, maybe there's some cool spiritual thing here. Point is, maybe it maybe it does mean that because what happens is an awakening, but uh, it, it's definitely not worth uh, building a sermon series off yeah. of is all I'm saying. It's That's just, good geeky stuff. Yes, I it's love fun it. <laughs> geeky stuff. So anyway, okay. So also he has an only daughter, who's about 12 years old. But let's get to this woman with a hemorrhage, and then we'll get back to the mm-hmm. daughter. Uh, the woman with a hemorrhage for 12 years, uh, lots of conjecture on what that hemorrhage is, right? Um, mm-hmm. But she couldn't be healed by anyone, could not be healed by anyone. If we read over that, we fail to realize that there was a, there was a culture, a desire that sought to be healed, mm-hmm. right? So she had clearly tried, Maybe it was doctors, and that's what many scholars would conclude. It's 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 doctors or people like Luke's mm-hmm. Luke being a physician. Um, they're they're trying to do this, whatever those remedies would have been. Uh, but what we clearly see is no one could heal her. She couldn't be healed by anyone. So now she comes up behind. She knows who Jesus is. There's, like you said about Jairus, there's a buzz about this guy. And so she goes and she tracks him down. And I love the picture of persistence, right? Mm -hmm. I I love uh, going after this. Now, this is not not to be conflated uh, the way modern... Modern charismatics would, which is, you know, go in and just press in and claim something until you're reading a strange idea into the text. What we know is that Jesus was present. Here's what the text also said. In many occasions, power went out from him. Yes. So this woman has heard this, and she's pressing in to a physical Jesus of whom she's heard or... I'm I'm conjecturing here, but most likely heard power has gone out Mm -hmm. from this man. She sought healing elsewhere. Now she's targeting Jesus. And so she runs up to him. She presses in and she grabs the hem of his garment. Now, this is an interesting thing in the wording here, because people who touched um, the hem of another one's garment, this kind of touching, this was not doable in this world. you This was inappropriate mm-hmm. unless something happened, unless it was a family member. And mm-hmm. notice what Jesus says to her. Verse 48, and he said to her, daughter, mm-hmm. your faith has made you well. Go in peace. There's a lot to this, but uh, this is well-documented yeah. scholarly scholarly information on this that it seems as though Jesus is reaching out in a hand of fellowship that would say, you are one of mine. You, yes. you, you are one of mine. I just he, love that picture.
1: He never, I, I, I love that as well. No one else in the scripture that he called daughter. No, no one. So I, I don't know I'm completely with you on this I, and she's the one noted in scripture for touching
0: his garment yes. which is again a documented um thing that
1: family would yes. do yeah and, and it, it is the her the condition that she had and there's speculation but it seems to be uh, uh, an issue of blood as it's called i believe in the in the king james version but be- because of of the of the Levit- levitical law she would have been unclean and anyone that she touched would have been unclean and and the fact that she was that the crowd was pressing in the 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 word in the greek that they talk about when the crowd had pressed in so much it was it was the same word for suffocate it was the same word they were so close that they were actually cl- close to suffocating him in the end of that they were they, they were that close and that close to him so for her to touch the hem of a garment of the tassel i think is what the the uh, this border or fringe on on this garment uh would have been would have been enough to heal her, and it it it, it is amazing to me. Uh, I she didn't Jesus didn't call her out as far as we know. He as a matter of fact, it seemed to be that he was walking away when she touched that that border or that fringe of his garment, and and I don't know. Uh, our, her faith is very interesting because it is uh, uh, I I her, the I guess we we don't know much about her other than her story about yeah. her sickness it's or her illness it's a very quick
0: thing yeah.
1: but it is but her faith was amazing faith yes. was amazing she, don't, she there had been no other there had been no other uh situations that we know of or that we can read of where this type of healing where Jesus had done this, where someone had touched him or his clothing yes. and been healed. We just don't, we, we don't read it. So,
0: so here's a, here's a fun uh, piece here. Number one, she was immediately healed mm-hmm. when she touched him that we find that in verse 47 and she was immediately healed. Um, but verse 48, and we cannot look past this because this is where a lot of debate happens where it says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Mm-hmm. Go in peace. Now that 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 phrase there, your faith has made you well, is literally translated, your faith has saved you, Mm -hmm. which uh, which leads us to the idea that this issue of blood would have taken her life. Yes it would have killed her. Yeah. So so her faith, her pressing in. Now of course we see the parallels to salvation, we see all of that. This isn't about that, but but we see the parallels to it or maybe if it is it's it's again tangentially related. But the point that I want to stress here is that all Jesus says to her is daughter, very affectionate. And then he says Your faith has made you well. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. He doesn't say your great amount of faith. Mm. He doesn't say your little faith. He doesn't say, hey, I checked the meter. You got enough. Mm -hmm. We're going to go with the (laughs) healing. None of that is there. Because what is being displayed throughout all of the New Testament, and you can study it and you can mark my words, what you're going to find is the stressing of their faith was that it was it was a binary thing. They had faith in Jesus yes. or they did not. Yes. The disciples did not trust Jesus on the boat. This woman did trust Jesus for whatever yeah. reason. Maybe it was because of the testimony in the story, but she trusted him. And Jesus acknowledges that. When we're walking out our Christian life, when we're struggling with a sickness or a disease or something like this, and we are running to Jesus... But healing is not coming. It is a mistake to readily go to the idea of, I guess I just don't have enough faith. Mm -hmm. You will not find a text of scripture that says, here's the level that makes Jesus do Mm -hmm. what you want him Mm -hmm. to do. See, what happens when we turn it that way is we make our faith in the object, which is faith. So we have faith in faith. If I will have just enough faith, I can be healed. Your faith is in your amount of faith. Your mm-hmm. faith is not in God. Absolutely. You've missed the whole point of this. Yes, so. yes.
1: The object of the faith cannot be the faith. It yes. has to be yes. in in Jesus. The object of her faith was, was well-placed, and it was Jesus. And
0: she tracked him yeah, down. Yeah, and I want to yeah. be that kind yeah. of
1: person. I want to run we, after it, it, him. Like, like no amount, no degree, no uh, uh, faith-o-meter that yes. you, uh, you know, jokingly talked about. It was the object of her faith. Another,
0: another point. Of, I mean, while I've thrown grenades in the room and made people <laughs> mad in this situation, let me just go ahead even further and indicate this or and reveal this to you. Uh, maybe you haven't thought about this. Um, Jesus hasn't gone to the cross. All right. We're not even talking about atonement. Right. We're not even debating what is purchased in the atonement. This has nothing to do with any of it. She trusted Jesus.
1: Great and look point. what happened. Yes. Powerful, right? It. Okay, yes.
0: 51. When he came to the house, he did not allow anyone to enter with him. This is Jesus coming to the house of Jairus. Yes. Now. Except... Peter and John and James, big mistake. <laughs> People are going to lose <laughs> yes. ears and fire's yes. going to fall from yes. heaven. Okay, no. So he says, and the girl's father and mother. So who do we have? We have Jesus, Peter, James, John, mom and dad. Yep. And then this dying girl or dead girl. Now, they were all weeping and lamenting for her. But he said, stop weeping, for she has not died, mm. but is asleep. Oh, if if I could just say... Sure, Jesus, that'd be great. But truth is, if I were in that place, oh my, oh man, I'd be a broken-hearted dad, uh, and especially due to the fact that I have four girls. Right? She's just asleep. Are you sure? How? What do you mean, Jesus? And they began laughing at
1: him. Oh my, knowing
0: that she had died. Yeah. So I, I don't even know what this reaction is. It's almost like in such an emotional upheaval, laughter came out. Now, who is they here? Well, we just learned that the only people there are Peter, James, John, and the mom and dad. So it seems like the mom and dad are laughing mm-hmm. at Jesus. That doesn't, doesn't quite make sense, but weird.
1: Yeah, weird. very weird.
0: Okay. Um, now, we may find other versions of this in the, in the, the other Gospels that would, that would show us something else. But he, however, took her by the hand, uh, and they began laughing. Uh, he, they knew she had died, so let's confirm she's dead. Yes. But Jesus is always saying, Ah, they're asleep. Same thing happens to Eutychus in Paul's story in the book of Acts. Remember when he falls mm-hmm. from the third story, mm-hmm. he says, He he has fallen asleep. Mm-hmm. This is a this is a way of speaking. He, however, took her by the hand and called, saying, Child, arise. Child, mm-hmm. arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up immediately. And he gave orders for something to be given her to eat. Her parents were amazed, but he instructed them to tell no oh one what had happened.
1: That it just it goes it goes against anything that we can sensibly think of. If your daughter has been raised from the dead, and I think about this man, Jairus, it it he has first of all as he was on the way with Christ to his house, Jesus stops and heals this woman with the with the blood issue. And, and and he's thinking all this time. He's just like he must be thinking. Oh my goodness, my goodness! That we gotta go. We gotta go. We gotta go. My my daughter's dying, and and the the most horrible circumstances come to play in this. That they come to him. Someone from his house comes and says, "Don't bother Jesus anymore. She's dead. She's dead." And and you can imagine, imagine the heartbreak. I I can't I I can't imagine. I can't even. Uh, yeah. can't even imagine this. So let's let's
0: let's look at something that maybe we don't often see because we just read through the text really quick. Okay, what is this story so far? Jesus is back in this area, whatever this area is. We're still we're still curious, whatever this area is. And Jairus, who's a leader of the synagogue, so maybe he's in Jerusalem. Maybe this is what's going on. But Jairus is there, and Jairus says, "I need you to heal my daughter." Right? I need you to heal my daughter. She's, she's dying. She's actively dying. In the procession to go to his house, this woman gets healed. This woman with the issue of blood gets healed. I mean, we see that they stop to, to acknowledge this mm-hmm. healing has happened. Now, this is amazing. In view of a miracle, when they get to Jairus' house and, J- and Jesus says, she's asleep, not dead, they laugh at him. They saw a miracle and still didn't have faith that exactly. what he was saying is true. Exactly. Is that not amazing? It is. We are we are inundated by these statements in our world that says if we were just a more supernatural people. Listen, I wish we were a more supernatural people. I'm right. not I'm not going to debate that. But we have this idea that says if supernatural things happened, greater faith would automatically be not true. Jairus is an example. Mm-hmm. He he was walking on the journey. The woman gets healed, and when Jesus says, "Your daughter's not dead; she's just asleep," he laughs at him. Yeah. Yeah. There's not. I don't see the faith here. Yeah.
1: I'm sorry. I don't see the faith. It's it is it. I I look at verse verse 50, and when 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 they came and said from the from the house of the of Jairus that that said, "Your daughter has died. Don't trouble the don't trouble the teacher anymore." But when Jesus heard this, he answered him. He says, do not be afraid any longer. Only believe and she'll be made well. Now, I, I, I cannot imagine, as we've said, the crushing heartbreak that this man has just felt. She's and gone. Jesus has said, she's gone. And, but he said, don't be afraid. Only believe and she'll be made well. I, I think if we, if we understood the power of God and understood the, uh, and many things that I'm not sure that we can understand in this life. My, we would say, okay, if Jesus says, yes, don't be afraid, don't be afraid any longer. Only believe we would probably, we would probably take more note of that and say, okay, if he has said this, it's done. The other thing that, that I geek out at here for a moment. So now, you guys you can tell me to stop doing this and i'll stop maybe about the time that this woman that has just been healed with the issue of blood got her sickness this little girl was being born she she had been sick for 12 years the girl was 12 years old that's just and i think jesus took the last 12 years of these both of these stories and changed it completely. changed the story
0: in one moment in one moment in one, in moment. one
1: day in one I, 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 I never
0: connected that. So that's was so really weird. cool. I, was like, I just
1: saw the 12 and the 12. Just
0: so you know you are a geek, so there you go. Um, here, here again, we, we, I just want to stress this because I really think this is important. You mentioned don't be afraid any longer, only believe and she will be made well. Okay. Then they go, stop weeping, for she has not died, but is asleep. Uh The response is laughter. Okay. Response is laughter because, well, they know she's dead, right? She they know she's dead. And Jesus goes, child, arise. Now, here, here is my opinion of what's happening here. Yes, Jesus does say, only believe and she will be made well. So what we do is we connect dots that say, They must have believed so that she would be made well. Mm. Okay, that could could be a connection Uh here. Uh Only believe she'll be made well. Here's the problem, though. I believe that Jesus is doing this miracle regardless of their faith. And Mm. here's why I say that. Because we we remember a story where God says he's going to do something and nothing happens but laughter. It is Abraham and Isaac and Sarah, and Sarah is told she's right. going to have a child, and she laughs at God. And then God confronts her and goes, are you you laughing at me? You know, like, mm. really? That's the way you're going to do it? What does God do? He still fulfills his promise. Mm-hmm. He still fulfills his still promise. Fulfills I love that he says, do not be afraid any longer first. Don't be afraid any longer. Why? Because Jesus had determined in his, in his plan. That she's gonna be made well. He says, only believe and she will be made well. We've looked at that as causal and determin, you know, causal uh, issues here. So, cause and effect. If this, then this. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Because what takes place next is uh, stop weeping. She's not died, but is only asleep. And they laugh like Sarah laughs at God. Mm-hmm. And God goes, You're still gonna have Isaac. <laughs> You're still gonna have my promise because I've already made my mind to do this. And so, Jesus, however, I love this verse 54 he however took her by the hand and called saying child arise mm-hmm. in spite of their laughter however in spite of their laughter he however tells her to rise this is this is a sign of god's power and it and it in this case seems completely unconnected mm-hmm. to their faith because if anything we can point out in the text it's their doubt yeah. it's their it's their complete astonishment that jesus would would ever assert she's only asleep when we know... We know a thing. She's dead. We know it, mm-hmm. right? It just seems crazy. So, this has been an amazing conversation, and uh, we get longer winded every time hour and 18 <laughs> minutes. Um, hey, if you've got questions, if you've got thoughts, if you've got comments, please send them to us. PiercePointChurch uh, at gmail.com, Nathan Frankhauser with a C at gmail.com, Barney Estes at yahoo.com, and tomorrow we'll be back again with, uh, well, Luke chapter 9, that's what we'll be back with. Uh, Have a great day, guys.